0: You're listening to EXO by The Knot, a new podcast exploring love in real life. On the show today, you'll meet Paige and Colin Chennault, who married on June 18, 2005. Through their church and their families, their employees and their friends, their professional networks and personal confidants, Paige and Colin have spent their lives building, fostering and growing communities, all while they've built, fostered and grown in their own relationship with one another. The past 14 years have been a roller coaster of getting scrappy, supporting one another, and pushing through to the next big thing. This is their story. One of our greatest battles of all
1: time was totally my fault. And I really thought for a moment that it might have ended everything.
2: That was probably when I knew that I was I was in pretty deep is when that didn't end it. I did a little research by digging into the purse and finding the driver's license, and I'll be if she wasn't twenty-one.
0: Surprise! <laughs> so Paige and Colin, welcome. How was your trip from Texas? It was great. Fairly uneventful. We're happy to be here in yeah. New
1: York. It's Love walking out into the city and just seeing all of the buildings
0: and remembering how small I really am in comparison. Yeah, it's a big city. (laughs) So I actually saw on your Instagram page that you gave a shout out to one of the workers at the Dallas Love Field Airport. That's my girl, Sandra. Of course you did. This like feels very on brand for you. Your entire story is really about these communities you and Colin have built around yourselves over the past couple decades. But can you share about Sandra and how you know her for our listeners? Oh, absolutely. So in the work that I do, I have the opportunity to travel quite
1: a bit. And, you know, when you're doing the same thing the same way every time, it's really easy for you to run into the same people. And there's Sandra. She's been at Dallas Love Field Airport helping people find their way to TSA PreCheck or away from TSA PreCheck. Bless her heart. For a very long time, since I've been traveling. And so she takes the morning duty. And last year, I just got to know her. I thought, you know what? Here I am. I see you all the time. And you always give me, a, oh, hey, baby. Good to see you. Where are you off to this time? And I thought, I have to know your name. I mean, how silly is it that I'm walking by you, you know, once every other week and I have not learned your name? So we got to know each other. And it had been a while since I've seen Sandra. So it was so fun to run into her yesterday.
0: You're such a good human being. <laughs> I At an airport, I'm like, don't look at me. No one talked to me. I don't want to be here. I, I'm, it's a troubling experience for me. That's so nice of you, though. And I fly in and out of Dallas a lot because my husband's from there. So I'll look out for Sandra. Please do. She sounds lovely. She's amazing. I should probably be nicer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm too scared. I'm an anxious flyer. So I'm like, I can't get out of my zone. I have to focus on keeping the plane safe. I have a husband that's a little more head down in those scenarios as well.
2: It's true. At the airport I am. The flying doesn't bother me. But that's one of the things that's been great being around Paige as much is she's rubbing off on me. And so I do a lot more of the smiles and engaging folks than I used to do. So I yeah. appreciate that.
0: I feel like Paige will talk to anyone. Is that how you two met? Did you approach him? Oh, absolutely. I did. <laughs> of course I did. I've always been... Um,
1: a go-getter for sure, and not really afraid of too much. But yes, so we actually met at church, and we were both visitors of this church so neither one of us had any roots there we were both there on Palm Sunday of all t- of all things and in my life I feel like I've heard God's voice audibly twice and this one was the first one so we're standing out in this courtyard and I look over and I see him across the way and he's standing there with this beautiful tall girl with long brown hair and I was like oh he's cute but He's got a girlfriend, and I'm standing there kind of looking over, and I hear this, go talk to him. I mean, just clear as day in my mind, and I may have said out loud, no, thank you. I'm not sure, but that sounds like something I would have done It's just to have this argument back and forth. So I stood there for a while and kind of kept looking over at him, and it was just this like, go talk to him, go talk to him fine. So, we're all leaving church together and I noticed that he had on a Team in Training bracelet and this is a program that raises money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society by doing marathons, triathlons, etc. So, for me, that's where I used to work. I had just left that position there at Team in Training and so I knew that was my way in, you know. So I saw that and I said, "Hey, my name is Paige and I think you said Hi, my name is Colin.
2: I have no idea what I said. (laughs) I had to ask, well, kind of cut to the end, the, the girl I was with was my sister. (laughs)
1: Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Well, she's super smart because she turned immediately. I turned to her because just in case. And she said, I'm his sister, Allison. And I went, oh, she is so smart. So I proceeded to chat him up about team and training and all the people that I know. And do you know this person and this person? And it turns out he was training to do a triathlon in Maui. And I had done that same triathlon the year before. So I was like, oh, you're going to love it da-da-da-da-da, you know, talk, 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 let me help you with your fundraising, I would love to help you with that, here's my number, and I basically walked him to his car and turned around, and I was like, well, that went great, you know, kind of walked away, like, wonder, wonder what will happen next.
2: And then I turned to my sister and said, I have no idea what she just said. Was she cute? I think she was cute. <laughs> I mean, I shock and awe for me. Wait, I, why
0: shock and awe?
2: Well, because I had always told my friends kind of jokingly that if I was ever to meet, you know, the one, she was going to have to come knocking on my door. And while it wasn't my door, she she did roll up on me at church. So, yeah, a little surprised. It's not something that happened to me a lot. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> And did you like her when you first
2: met her? Uh, again, I, I I think so. But it didn't take long for us to, you know, exchange a couple of emails Um and set up what I would have called our first date. She still likes to pretend that it was just an effort to help me with my fundraising. Totally. But she knew what she was doing. And then, yes, it was, yeah, I, I definitely liked her from the beginning, for sure.
0: But who set up the first date?
1: Oh, come on, I think it was me.
2: It probably was it again, under the the guise of hey, let me help you with your fundraising, so we did you know i <laughs> this was before I was wise in the all things Dallas and all the wonderful restaurants and scenes that we have, so we went to a chain restaurant <laughs>
1: I've forgiven him since
2: uh-huh, what I can't remember macaroni Grill,
1: <laughs> maybe we bellied up to the bar, uh-huh. drank some really cheap wine,
2: huh, and uh, we did talk a little bit of fundraising, but mostly I think. Jointly realized that, hey, this other person's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And how long were you dating before you realized this is a really special human being?
1: I knew after the third date that Colin was the one. I didn't think it was going to be easy, but I knew that he was the one after the third date.
2: You know, and this is probably going to sound a little bit cheesy, but it took me, you know, maybe a couple of months to really appreciate that she was different from, you know, most people that I had dated previously, but it's probably not been until the last couple of three years that I've really come to appreciate how truly special and, and gifted she is.
1: Aww. <laughs> <laughs> We're just starting and I'm going to cry already.
0: How was dating? Were there hiccups? I mean, you two have fairly different personalities. What was that like?
2: Well, that was very polite. We have very different personalities. I think it was probably good for both of us, you know, Paige being extremely outgoing and me bordering on hermit status. So it was was really interesting from that perspective. And just our backgrounds were, I think, pretty different. She grew up, you know, obviously loves her family, but their friends are as much family as anything. And I was very, very close to my family. So just different approaches to a lot of different things. But I think it was and continues to be very good for both of us that we are as different as we are.
1: Yeah. So we actually, we're 10 years apart in age. And this has been something that we have learned to work through and more with, actually. It's worked to our advantage since the beginning. But As we were dating, there were some of those kind of nuances originally that you could see. Well, gosh, when I met him, he was 31 years old. So he knows how to you know, do the dishes and the laundry and go to the grocery store, although he bought everything at the same grocery store. I mean, he bought his shampoo and conditioner and soap. Everything came from the one. I was like, there is a whole world of stores out here. Did you know that you can buy your shampoo and conditioner at Target? It's a place. And your dog food, too. So we worked through some of that. But more than anything, like because I met him later on in life, he was incredibly mature, incredibly stable, had a lot together. I really was drawn to that because I had nothing together and I was wild and crazy and going everywhere, and no discipline. And he was very methodical and had a savings account and knew how to manage money and his time. And I think some of the friction points that we faced early on were that I want to go, go, go. And he's not used to that at all. He wanted to kind of stay put. And so we definitely had to find ways to live in that tension together.
2: on oh, the, sh- the shadow of that Maturity and responsibility is, you know, having been single for as long as I was, I was pretty set in my ways. I like things how I like things, never had to worry about anybody else saying, you know, do it this way, whatever. It's just whatever I wanted to do, I did. So having to (laughs) consider the thoughts and opinions of someone else was a challenge for me. And Paige's view of the world and the go, go, go was definitely different for me. But again, I think was really... A growth opportunity (laughs) that I continue to probably underappreciate.
0: Did you have any fights? Never. Always. Um,
1: Yes, we did have fights. Because we were so different and there was this push and pull from us, I think that we argued about the little things, but we also kind of came to head with some big things. Family and finances are the things that we argue about the most.
3: Still, I mean, still,
1: absolutely. Just my upbringing and being so independent and having great family, great friends that we act as family, and him relying so much on his incredible family. And his family is incredible. It was just such a hard shift for both of us. And so those were the two things. And then, you know, he's a saver and I'm a spender. So I was so excited about his bank account coming into my world. And he was like, step away from the money. And so those were two things that we, you know, we, we, still, we still struggle with, I think. But one of our greatest battles of all time was totally my fault. And I really thought for a moment that it might have ended everything. And I thought, well, you'll be a fool to walk away from this. And then I thought to myself, but he's going to walk away from this. So when I met Colin, because we're 10 years apart, and I met him when I was 21, but I told Colin that I was 23. Or four. I feel like it was 23. (laughs) And so I'll let you.
2: Well, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, to go back to one of your previous questions, that was probably when I knew that I was, I was in pretty deep is when that didn't end it. Lying is one of my least favorite things in the whole world, and I don't even care the reason. And the fact that we managed to get through that and continue to date was pretty telling for me. But it was the story itself was kind of funny. You know, I've been going under this assumption that she was 23, 24, whatever it was. And then her parents came in for their 22nd wedding anniversary. And knowing that her father was a Methodist minister, I was making some assumptions that she probably wasn't born out of wedlock, but you never know. So uh I did a little research by digging into the purse and finding the driver's license, and I'll be if she wasn't twenty one.
1: Surprise <laughs> <laughs> And I actually even tried to like I don't even know. I I tried to get around it. I tried to make excuses. I I definitely threw it back on him. Like it was not my fault. This is your fault. You would have never dated me had you known my real age. I mean, I am such I'm so prideful that I was like, Oh, I am not accepting responsibility for this major lie. And he did the thing where he put his hands behind his back and his lips were pursed and he's walking up and down the sidewalk of my apartment and he's like stewing. And I thought, oh, crap, here we go. I think this is, I
0: think we're done. (laughs) I'm, you can't see it. My jaw's on the floor. I'm, (laughs) what a story. My husband also hates lying, like will not tolerate it and will not tell a lie, and I, I'm a fibber a lot, and I'm like, this is my truth. I'm kind of with you it's on it. It's not this. the truth, but it's mine. mine huh? And your truth was that you were 23 when you were dating him. Yes, absolutely. And that's fine. I felt like I acted 23. <laughs> you know, I probably
1: dressed 23, whatever that looks like. Whatever we can tell ourselves about this is exactly, yes, it was my truth.
2: <laughs> it's a lot funnier now. <laughs> <laughs> The George Costanza, it's not a lie if you believe it.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I believe it. I believe you were 23. Thank you. So clearly you guys had some hiccups, but knew you were in it. So, Colin, when did you decide you wanted to propose?
2: I think we had probably been dating, I don't know, 18 months and was pretty sure that it it needed to happen and started making some preparations for that. Talked to my parents, actually talked to her dad and had the good fortune of having a fraternity brother that was in the jewelry business. So I let him build me a, what at the time was a really, really big fancy ring and kept that at my house for a couple of months before I really started to formulate the the plan for the proposal. A couple of things almost kept that plan from going through. We had a marathon that we were going to go do together in Disney. And about, what, six weeks before, I was playing basketball after work and broke my ankle. So there was going to be no race for me. And then-
1: I was mad about it. Like, he had just stolen my joy. He had taken away all the fun, had this idea in my mind, and he went and broke his foot. And I was so angry.
2: <laughs> As though I had done that on purpose. Right. Yeah,
0: You probably did. Uh
2: I did, yeah, specifically to ruin my own plans. (laughs) But, yeah, so there were some conversations around, do we even go now? Absolutely, we we still need to go. And then, boy, not even two weeks before our trip was supposed to go, we had a, a death in the family. My grandfather passed away, and we had already lost my grandmother. And so my mom, God bless her, knowing what I had planned, said, I want you to go do what you were going to go do, and I think Dandy would understand. So that was another thing that just kind of solidified my decision that I had already made to go propose to this gal. The story (laughs) from there got a little bit, I don't even know what the right word is, funny, weird, something because we showed up at the airport and one of her friends that was going on the trip with us came over and said, hey, can you guys keep a secret? I'm going to propose to my girlfriend on this trip. And that lit pages fire.
1: Oh, I was mad again. So mad. I thought, wait, you haven't even been dating this long. And now you're going to go off and propose on this weekend that's supposed to this is not okay. Oh, I was foul. I was sulking at the airport. And here we are. We're going to go race in Disney together. And it's not because we love Disney, but it's not about that. It was about for us going back to a place that we had a great memory. So a year prior to that, we were at Disney and we ran the half marathon. And the night after the race, we ate and drank our way around Epcot. So you start in Mexico, and you have a margarita, and you go all the way around. And so, and it was pouring down rain, and we love the rain it's like our favorite things we've got these ridiculous mickey ponchos and we're stopping everywhere drinking and just talking about the world and you know everything's perfect at disney anyway so that memory was ingrained in us and so to go back the next year and be able to run together and have that experience knowing that we're going to go to epcot and recreate this moment like i knew all of this was coming and then i thought i cannot believe she just stole all of the thunder ever not knowing i would be proposed to at all but man i was was mad at her and then i was mad at colin i was like this is your fault Mm
2: -hmm.
1: why is it his fault i just feel like i should have been engaged by then and the fact that i wasn't engaged by them was definitely his fault and then he's gonna this guy's gonna go on propose to his girlfriend during my trip
0: (laughs) you're not wrong thank you this is upsetting it's very upsetting (laughs) Colin, you're the worst Worst.
2: I I was definitely the worst
0: (laughs) For about three days, he was the worst Did you? So you had no idea this was coming?
1: No, I didn't I thought that if anything was going to happen It would happen as we were like You know, in my mind, idyllic Like it was, we're crossing the finish line together And he gets down on one knee and proposes And then I was like, well, that's not happening Because he broke his foot Strike one well, now it's not going to happen because this guy's proposing to this girl up in Disney, strike two. Well, I'll just be single forever. It's kind of where I was landing at that point.
2: The good <laughs> I thing was a of, joy to be around. Yeah, that's the thing about Paige. She really hides her disappointment well. So I had no idea that I was a horrible person for three days. <laughs> and I, I know radio doesn't give this away very well. That was loaded with sarcasm because she was exceedingly foul. But nonetheless, you know, undaunted. I put my ring in my pocket, and we commenced to trying to recreate our Epcot adventure. And rather than walking hand in hand and talking in the rain and having cocktails, I basically chased from about 10 feet behind her for a couple of hours. Uh, she she stormed with a purpose.
1: It was so romantic.
2: <laughs> it really was. But my plan was to get to the base of the Eiffel Tower in France there in Epcot, because Paige really likes Paris. and. We got over there, and I very quickly realized that there is no base of the Eiffel Tower in (laughs) France of Epcot. So I called a little bit of an audible, and we went and had dinner at a nice restaurant. And I got down on a knee and asked her to marry me.
1: And by that point, I had lots to drink. And then I started sobbing, and then I started calling everybody I knew because this was a long time ago. So texting was not the same. This was back when the phones, you had to go AAA to get to C right? Mm -hmm. D-E-E, you know, to get. So the texting was not going to happen. It was I could not handle that. So instead, we sat through this dinner with a ring on my finger and the entire restaurant around us is probably like this woman is out of her mind. And I was and I'm calling. He finally proposed. (laughs) Oh, I got to call this person. He proposed. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And this is horrible to say, but the best part about this for me was that he proposed to me before
0: the other guy proposed to the girl. Nailed it.
2: Mm -hmm. Nailed it. I redeemed myself a little bit there.
0: Colin, you're not the worst anymore.
2: Thank you. Proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out okay.
0: So I want to back up because our listeners might not know you, Paige, but do make me feel like I've done nothing in my life. So Paige is the founder of an incredible nonprofit called The Birthday Party Project, which works to spread joy to children and families in shelters and transitional living facilities by throwing birthday parties for the kids and their families, for thousands of them across the country. So needless to say, you know a thing or two about throwing a party. Also, before that, you were a professional wedding planner with an incredibly successful business based out of Dallas. Again, I've done nothing in my life. This is all amazing. But before all that, you had your own wedding, and you had no experience. So what was that like? Well,
1: so picture this I think finally I hit 23 years old and, you know, newly proposed to. So I'm sharing the story with everybody. And then the next question after you get engaged is what? When is your wedding date? And I thought, oh, I have no idea, but I have to get it on it right now. So while we were still in Florida, I'm calling venues all around Dallas, trying to figure out where we're going to have this wedding and when we're going to have this wedding
0: from Disney.
1: From Disney. You don't mess around. Not at all. So I'm thinking to myself, well, we gotta get a date on the books and we have to hurry. And don't you know that's competitive because everybody gets engaged at Christmas time and I'm past Christmas at this point, it's January. So let's get on this. So we actually we had a five-month-long engagement, and I, like everything else in my life, just kind of took the bull by the horns and said, We're gonna make this happen. So my parents contributed to the wedding budget, and then Colin was gracious enough to also contribute to our wedding budget. But when I I say that it was a budget I mean it was it was small I mean we did a lot with a little and I really had no idea what I was actually doing you know the joys of the internet and the not.com back then when it was we little not.com of just scouring through looking at vendors and seeing what's going on and we put together a and wedding in five months and I loved it because it was very us and it was very, very different than weddings that we had attended. So, for instance, our invitation, instead of it being an invitation with engraving and beautiful foil, ours was actually a CD. So it was all of our favorite songs that we love so much. We totally burned, you know, these 200 discs on, on our – laptops just one at a time back and forth we put our own labels on that cd with all of our page and collins music and then the inside of the cd jacket we took out and when you opened it up that is where the invitation was please join us here's your rsvp card a couple of photos we were so proud of that invitation and we both had input in the songs mm-hmm. so it wasn't like sappy love ballads it was like you too and
0: five for fighting and gavin Gras and gavin Gras. i am oh 2003 to 2005 whitney was all about gavin Gras. that 2003 to 2005
1: page was yeah. the same
0: oh my god we could have been best friends <laughs> so true <laughs>
2: I think so, the music was the extent of my input on the wedding, though, wasn't it? Absolutely. I just nodded my head a lot. You, when you did. said, What do you think about this?
1: And you allowed us to use your Amex gold, mm. so that was great. <laughs> it was really helpful, actually. So the rest of our wedding was my bridesmaids wore white dresses that my mom – my mom made a lot of those dresses. My mom made my dress. We got to design it together, and my mom made my dress, and it is something that I will always treasure. It was so – Wonderful and selfless for her to take so much time for somebody like me with really high expectations and loves the details of things. And she knocked it out of the park. Um, but it was fun because then my bridesmaids also wore white in the same fabric as my dress. And we had, you know, a candy bar with cookies and brownies that were contributed by family members and friends of ours as the dessert bar. It was. A very simple wedding overall it was cocktails and kind of heavy hors d'oeuvres it's what we could afford to do given the fact that we cared more about the people in the room than the actual wedding itself so for us you know it was really important that we had all of our friends and all of our family and all of our family's friends and family in that space and i remember standing at the top of the stairs as they announced us coming into the room and i had turned i had just put on my running shoes and "You Two's Beautiful Day plays and we're walking down this staircase and like the room is filled with people, some of which I hadn't seen in so long. And I thought, I cannot believe all these people are here for us. It was really, it was really amazing.
0: And Colin, I know you contributed the Amex. Yes. If you want to contribute it to me anytime <laughs> I'm available. <laughs> what else did you remember about the wedding?
2: I remember more than anything, friends and family, just faces. There's parts of the evening that are more vivid even now than others. And it revolves mostly around seeing, like Paige said, people that I hadn't seen in a long time, people that had come from a very long way off to come and celebrate us. And I also remember, I don't even know how long our reception was, but I think I had half of a beer and maybe half a plate of something to eat and realize hey this thing's over and <laughs> we haven't really experienced much of our party we've just been dancing and and telling all our friends and family hi and thank you so i yeah it was fun i do remember that but beyond that the details all escape me cuz it was it was a lot and it was really cool though
1: i think that something that's really interesting is that until you have the wedding of your own it's hard to realize the value in showing up for other people's weddings. I think that that's something that I had took for granted, and that goes for baby showers and funerals and parties of any type. But until that moment, I was like, oh, gosh. This is why you RSVP and show up to something because it it matters so much to the to the recipients. And so I remember in that moment, I was like, oh, I want to do this for other people because I felt so alive in that moment.
0: And so is that what launched your career in the industry? Can you believe that that is
1: maybe a sliver of it for me? But really, you know, we finished the wedding and my boss at the time, her neighbor's daughter was getting married. And she says, Paige, your wedding was great. I know that it was on a budget. Will you come and meet with Emily and just talk to her about her daughter's wedding? And I thought, well, sure. I've got the notebook, the clipboard. I'll be happy to pass it off. I love to share what I know and what went well. Of course, I'll share all this information, opportunity for me to brag a little bit. So I go over and meet this gal who I've never met before and realize that her daughter is studying to be a rabbi. And so they have an 18-month-long engagement coming up. And I said, well, here is my notebook. Good luck, kind of looking at her. And she said, No, 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 I actually want you to help me plan this wedding. And I could not believe what I was hearing. I was super excited about an offer like that because I like to be in charge. I love a clipboard, I can make things happen. I loved our wedding. And I thought, well, I have to say yes. I have to jump at the chance to try something new. And so I did. I said, yes, let's, let's do it. By the time her wedding came around, 18 months later, I had done 11 weddings in between that time frame. And it was crazy. And it was a whirlwind. And I realized how much I love
0: being part of people's celebrations. That's an amazing turnaround because I feel like so many couples, once they've had their weddings, they're like, get me away from this. I don't want to think about weddings anymore. Like, I'll show up for one for the food, the open bar, all that good stuff. I'm not going to plan it.
1: I was really surprised myself, actually. But I think as much as I joke about the clipboard and being in charge, and yes, I love all those things, it's really the connections with the people and hearing their stories and understanding what's important to them. I mean, if you think about it from a planner's perspective, We have this unique opportunity to know so many intimate details of a family's life. And, you know, weddings are a very vulnerable, stressful, exciting time. And I felt so privileged that people would trust me with as much information as they did to allow us to create something that they wanted and and when we got it right it was amazing you know you stand in the middle of the room or you stand in the corner and watch it all unfold and there was just such joy in those celebrations
0: it's beautiful so switching gears a little bit to gifts which is my my second favorite part of the wedding besides the cake so what gifts from your wedding registry are you two still using today because it's been 14 years
1: 14 years Mm -hmm. Serving platters are probably our biggest thing that we've kept from the wedding and we continue to use. I have a set of multicolored bowls from Crate and Barrel that we break out a lot. We have a, a chip and dip tray that we've had since we were engaged, and we bust that out on Saturdays during college football season. That's a big part of our kind of tradition as family now, and so and we love to entertain and host, so those things have definitely come in handy.
2: Yeah. Other than that, I think we still have some of the barbecue utensils that my grandparents gave me that I'll try and keep as long as I possibly can. My grandfather was the burger griller in the family. And so still having those is really important to me. It's pretty cool. But yeah, most of the stuff that we still use revolves around entertaining and (laughs) and being able to have people over the house.
0: Yeah. When are you not throwing a party? Oh, I definitely have my moments, but I love to be surrounded by people. (laughs) So if you're, I'm assuming you're attending a lot of weddings too, because you have one million friends. So what do you think is the best gift to give newlyweds? You know, something on their registry. Yes, I cannot. Yes, 100%. Yes. If Go ahead. they've
1: registered for it, you purchase it. If they have not registered for it, Do not purchase it. I don't know that anybody wants this, like, lime green pitcher, you know? Like, what are we going to do with something like that? And we all have plenty of people in our lives that have given us gifts like that. But something on their registry Yes. I tend to go for something that I know like either we have in common or uh, like something that we share. So a dear friend of mine recently got married. And one of the things that we like and have in common are margaritas and margarita recipes and having conversations either over margaritas or about margaritas. And so, of course, what did I do? We got them margarita glasses. You know, I was on their registry. So something like that for us is probably pretty important.
2: I want to say my presence, but that... That may may not be what you were looking for.
1: I don't think that counts.
0: No, you're still the worst. <laughs> okay.
1: Also, also when you show up to a wedding, they have to pay for you. So actually, I don't know that that's much of a gift.
0: That's probably true. Yeah. So since getting married, you two have been very busy. I'm just going to list off the highlights. Paige, you've started two successful businesses. Colin. You're a financial whiz. You helped co-found the Birthday Party Project, and you've taken on some very big roles in the finance world. You both remain active in your church. You two are close to your families. You're always hosting get-togethers for your friends. And then in 2008, you two welcomed your daughter Lizzie into the world. So a lot going on. (laughs) What have your communities taught you about yourselves and your marriage and each other?
2: I think more than anything— just the importance of having support we have particularly with our really close core group of friends realized that you know trying to do life on an island is not effective we are you know very supportive of and receive a lot of support from our friends and we we spend a lot of time just sharing about the challenges of parenthood and marriage and running businesses and being good sons, daughters, friends, parent, all all the things. And it, it really does, it helps us navigate life in general by knowing that there are other people out there that are going through the same things that we are.
1: I think that's right. I think that for us, we kind of have a division of friends. And what we know is that you know, friendships have seasons, right? And there's times in your life, especially early on in a marriage, you have a specific group of friends. And then if you are able to have children and want to have children, then your friendship circles grow a little bit more and, and you lose some of those original friends. And then you've gained a, a different set of friends. And then your children's friends' parents become your friend. There's so many different avenues of community as we have grown through our marriage. And so what I love so much is that there have been some of those friendships that have been steadfast from the beginning, that we could truly pick up the phone at any moment and give a call to some of them, and they would be there understanding, gosh, I was with you in the beginning, and even though I might have been missing for some of this, like, this is still our people. And it's so humbling to know that we have that to fall back on, and it's my hope that we're able to do that for other people. But in that sense of community and what Colin was talking about with like core group of friends we do believe that there are kind of different levels of community right and so there is that core group that you can share a lot with in life and have those really intimate close conversations with and then you have that next layer of community that allows you to be still be yourself but engage in a different way and so and it serves us well in different seasons of our lives
0: and you too I know, I've said it. Very different personalities. So what have you learned about working together as a team, but still maintaining who you are as an individual? I have to
1: say, Colin has been so good for me and to me in that he recognizes so much my independence and allows me to be just that. And a word that he used recently was freedom. And I think that that's right. Right, Colin? Like...
2: Yeah, I think it's important that we allow each other to have, you know, our our time to pursue things that maybe we want to do, either because it's something that, you know, kind of lights our fire, or because it's something that, you know, the other may not necessarily have a lot of interest in. And we've given each other a fair amount of latitude to go out and do those types of things. But at the same time, you know, we also make a lot of efforts to try and find things that we do have mutual interest in because I think when we spend time doing things in in pursuit of a similar goal is when we're the healthiest as a couple.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. I think that, I mean, even... Recently we did, we trained for a half Ironman triathlon together and completed that, literally started in the water together and finished across the finish line together. Talk about a crier.
0: I'm glad Um, you did that because it doesn't sound like you guys have a lot going on. Nothing at all.
1: So we just wanted to layer on an extra 20 hours a week plus of training, not seeing each other. But even in those moments when we weren't training together, we were still pursuing that common goal. And yes, there's a little bit of like healthy rivalry, you know, put into that of like, who's going to win, etc. And for the record, we both won because we crossed together. So but I think in those moments, I feel the most excited and kind of championing for him because I know what it takes to get to those places. And so whether it's the triathlon or whether whatever it is that we're working on together, I really love being able to kind of cheer him on in that in that regard, knowing that we're kind of in it together.
2: Early on in our marriage, I probably would not have been able to say that I often take a back seat personally, so that Paige can, you know, flourish. Or I may not do something that I might want to do that allows Paige to do something that she wants to do. But making myself second and putting Paige first, even if it's not sometimes obvious to her, I think is is a big part of it. Of course, that takes on a whole different aspect when we add a kid to the mix, because a lot of times now the kid's first and, you know, we as a a unit are second. But the long and short of that for me is putting her needs ahead of my own, which 17 years ago when we met would have been not something that I would have considered.
1: And I would say that you are incredible at that. And I take full advantage at times. And so I'm so sorry that I do that. Now I'm feeling horrible. But He is absolutely that kind of servant leader, and I think that he has learned a lot of that from his family and the way that his dad is taking care of his family, but he does that for us so very well. I do think that adding a kid, you know, people say kids change everything, and, and we have friends that don't speak to one another, but they speak to their child or through their child all the time or children, and I think that, gosh, finding that balance and that rhythm and for a a long period of time is very difficult. We have found not too long ago that making sure that we carve out intentional time for one another is really important. And that's not like nine o'clock when we're completely spent for the day, that we have no more words left, that all we want to do is get in bed and watch a Mrs. Maisel. It's not that. It's really like that is not intentional time. That That is like that is checkout time, right? And so instead, we have Friday morning breakfasts where we meet after drop-off and just sit. And we may have an agenda, things that actually need to be talked about and, and and worked through. We've argued at some of those breakfasts so much so that I almost, like, didn't go, I think. We've had great breakfasts where we've really accomplished some things. And then other times, we just literally sit there. Like, But it's still being together and allowing for whatever needs to take place in that time. We have a friend that does a weekly date night, and God bless them that they can do that. They have a lot of children. And so that spending that time away for them is like that's their number one priority. And I, I gained inspiration from that and thought, well, if we can't do it in the evening, a Friday morning breakfast will at least hopefully accomplish some of that. And just allowing time, right, whether we say something or don't, has made a difference,
0: just ask. being available.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And what advice would you give couples who are on their way to walking down the aisle?
2: I think a big thing for me is when you're considering this, you're not committing to a feeling, you know, the the, the grand idea of love and, you know, all the stars and rainbows and butterflies and all the things that accompany that. That's not really what it's about. It's about committing to another person. And it's committing to you know, love, honor, and cherish. Sick, rich, poor, healthy—all the things. Because there are times, certainly over our 14 years now of marriage, where that feeling of love from the wedding day is not there. And if that's all you know, you're relying on, you know, there will be times when that that well will be dry. So understanding that this is a you know a lifelong commitment and. It may call for some sacrifice and some hard work because I got to tell you, for all the community we have and all the people that we know, I don't think there's any such thing as a perfect marriage that requires no work. But there are some really, really wonderful people out there that are willing to put in that work. And we know a lot of great people that that do so. And that's that's what I would encourage just make sure that there is more to it than just that feeling, and then open yourselves up to community because you're going to need the support, and hopefully you can provide similar support to them as well.
1: Well said, Chenault. Well <laughs> said. I I think he's spot on with that, and that it is it is work. I mean, if people say something to me about marriage, I'm like the first thing that comes to my mind is it's work. And that's. I don't think that work has to be a negative connotation whatsoever. I think what I have realized, and what I'm so grateful for Colin, Colin is so good at doing the work and working on himself and trying to be better. He is incredibly disciplined. And when he sees that there is something that he can correct in himself or for others, he does it. Like, it's just... It's so admirable because I sit on the other side and I'm super prideful and, you know, want to put up the walls and don't really want to get in and do all of that. And he, like, step one step at a time chips away and and in doing so creates huge headway. Like, he makes really big strides in our marriage just by him doing that by himself. And I'm... Gosh, you're the best for that. I really appreciate it. And I think vulnerability is hard. It's it's interesting because I can be really vulnerable with a lot of people, but the person closest to me is the one I don't want to disappoint, right? So I don't – even though he sees – me for my at my absolute worst and I feel comfortable when I walk in the door at night there's a sense of wanting him to view me in a certain way that doesn't allow me always to be as vulnerable as I need to be and it's because I care more about him him and the way that he'll feel or respond than I would ever care. No offense, Whitney. But about others, right? And so I'm like, oh well that's okay. I'm past that. Like the people pleasing days are over. So whatever you think. But this one, like, this is my guy. So I really I, I wanna be the best that I can. And when I am not vulnerable instead I bring it all in, and that doesn't get us anywhere, like at all. It makes it even it makes it just really difficult. So I would say that when you're starting out Choose before you do anything else. Just choose to be your complete and whole and authentic self, and bring it to bring it to the table and say, "This is what I've got. This is what this is what you've got to work with. This is what I've got to work with. Can we make you know this is this is what I'm committed to? Can we make this happen?" And the other thing is, we have a lot to say about this subject.
0: Clearly, I want to hear it all. I mean,
1: it's great. <laughs> like, we have more things to say. Is I think gathering influence. From the places that, like, for us, it's, you know, faith is a huge part of our relationship. And so making sure that we keep that at the forefront is very important to us. And then having the friends and the network around us that support that is really important to us. So we're, like, rereading right now The Five Love Languages. Have you heard of this book?
0: Oh, yes. I My husband's was physical touch and mine was everything else. (gasps) So I was like, I need gifts. I need compliments. Just don't touch me. Well, and like
1: spoken we like every other woman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you can do all these things. Do not touch don't me. Don't touch me. And, I feel like and that's all he wanted. Yes. We've we've like grown and learned each other's. So it was really important. It's a lot of work. Well,
2: if you're like us, um, you know, we compromise on that. I compromise. Paige gets what she wants and I don't get what I want. So <laughs> we just, you know, kind of agree to disagree on that. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. No, but she's she's right. Even something as seemingly simple as that, just a refresher. I, I think we both know what the other's love language is, but there's there's things that we can refresh ourselves on and better ways to talk to each other and relate to each other and reasons why and all of that. And it's it doesn't take a whole lot of work.
1: No, it doesn't. And I think a lot of it, you know, like I, I think it's easy to be self-serving in that and just – So, for instance, Colin does all the dishes and the laundry at our house, and also he's the CFO of a healthcare company, but he manages somehow to get these things done in life. I don't understand how all that happens. It seems like a lot of work to me, right? Whereas I would rather just, I want all the compliments, and I want to give the compliments. Well, that's like I want him to give me the compliments, and he wants me to do the laundry and the dishes, right? So I'm like words of affirmation if we can't tell already. And Colin is acts of service. And there was a time recently that I I ran, I mean I raced home. And Lizzie had something going on over here, and I was like, I am going to do all the dishes. I'm going to get them done. I'm going to get this house cleaned up before Colin comes home. And then he came home early, and don't you know, I was devastated by it because I try again I'm the worst (laughs) and so and I was trying so hard to like show him that I was working on it and it was so much effort and it's so ridiculous right but like that was my like I'm gonna win this today and it didn't quite work out that way but he noticed and he appreciated it that I was halfway through whatever the task was and him noticing and appreciating made me want to do it more, you know, so I think I think as early on as we can identify what that is, and then be able to share that with one another is really important.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. Thank I've you for loved having meeting us. you both. Our pleasure. It was great. And Colin, you're not the worst. Thank you. Stick around because in just a moment we'll hear from you and what your best tips are for building a marriage that lasts. XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app, offering a seamless, all-in-one wedding planning experience. From finding inspiration and local vendors to creating a registry and managing all your guest experiences, like digital RSVPs and photo sharing. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download the Not Wedding Planner app, available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners.
3: Hi there, I'm Taylor from Cincinnati, and I just got married in September. My best advice for building a happy life together is to number one, have open communication. When you're first married, there's still so much to learn about your partner and really your relationship with one another. So be open about how you feel during disagreements, moments that you feel sad, and even moments where you feel life couldn't be any better. There's always room to grow in your relationship, no matter how long you've been with one another. And being open and honest about how you feel in certain situations and then learning more about one another day by day... Also, one of my favorite things to do in my relationship and really in life is to laugh in a world that is so serious. And after consistent, long work days, you have to find ways to laugh with your partner. So create a light, stress-free environment at home with some laughter, and it'll become your favorite place and help you build a happy life with one another.
0: I'm Anya from Kansas City and Ben and I have been together for fifteen years and married for six. My best advice is to keep it real and bring it bring it up no matter what. Like anything from not wiping down the counters after doing the dishes or like not taking out the trash to bigger things like like a money thing or the thing that we say to our toddler to, you know, to get her to go to bed. Like just keeping it really open and communicating and making it a habit rather than it sounding like nagging. It's just something that we do um, as a couple. And I find that when we're doing that the most, we're, we're really the happiest because we really understand and are on the same page. And also get some therapy. You know, Just like we go to the gym and we work out our bodies. I think going to a therapist and working out our minds is so, so healthy. Um, and it can really like thwart any major issues down the line. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share on air, email us at XOXO at the or leave us a message by calling 917-524-6508 or connect with us on social. I'm over there. Search for our handle at the Knot and on the web at thenot.com. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Our show is produced by Lauren Nolan with assistance by Emily Berman in New York City at The Hanger Studios. Thanks for listening.